Hey, folks, it's Doug Jones here. I am here with Sissy Jackson, my colleague from Alabama, now with me at Errant Fox to talk a little bit about the recent developments involving the anti-money laundering bill. FinCEN just sent out eight priorities. We want to talk a little bit about that today. The purpose here is not to get an in-depth conversation going about the nuances of the money laundering bill or what FinCEN said. The main purpose here today is just to get folks on notice, to be thinking about this. I think it's really important as folks go forward that they start planning on these regulations. This is going to be a brave new world, and people need to think about it as they go forward because these regs will be coming out. So as I said, I'm joined by Sissy Jackson. Sissy and I practiced law together in Birmingham for a number of years before my election to the Senate. She was one of my right-hand aides in the Senate. I persuaded her to come up to the Senate to work with me as counsel. Also, she was really a jack-of-all-trades for me. She did a little bit of everything. So Sissy, Let's talk a little bit about money laundering here. But before we do that, I want to address the elephant in the room here. And that's the burning question that everybody at Errant Fox and their clients want to know. Your given name is Sarah. How did you get the name Sissy? Well, it's short for sister. My older sister is only 16 months older than I am. And she couldn't say Sarah when I was born. And so she called me Sissy. And unfortunately, I never took the initiative to get rid of the name until I was married and out of law school in my job interview with a federal judge. And I had on my resume, my name was Sarah Jackson, but he had heard about me from a colleague on the bench. And he said to me, well, your resume says your name is Sarah, but I hear people call you Sissy. And I hesitated for a moment and I said, judge, you can call me whatever you want if you give me a job. And from then on, I just gave up and I was sissy. Well, for those of you who don't know, the judge she's referring to is Judge Sam Porter, one of the great federal judges, not just in Alabama, but from across the country. So, Sissy, FinCEN sent out some guidance and set some priorities. The money laundering bill was passed by the Congress, the 116th and the waning days of the Congress with the NDAA. Tell us a little bit about the FinCEN and where things stand on the money laundering bill, and then we'll go back just a little bit about it. So the Anti-Money Laundering Act of 2020 was included in the National Defense Authorization Act, and it required FinCEN to issue priorities within 180 days of its enactment. And so FinCEN did that. And those priorities came out on June the 30th of this year. And then it also allowed FinCEN to issue regulations implementing and fleshing those out within another 180 days, which would be by December 27th. And FinCEN has indicated that it's going to do that. And so folks are watching, taking a look at those priorities. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today is what can folks do between now and then. And then when those regulations come out later this year, we'll get back together and talk a little bit more in detail about what steps folks need to take. Well, I'll talk a little bit about really the impetus of the bill, because we started working on that bill literally a couple of three months in 2018 after I got elected. For those that have not really known the history of a lot of money laundering. Money laundering bills really came into their own back 70s and 80s when we were in the height of the war on drugs. This was all the drug kingpins. It was Miami Vice and Glenn Fry Smuggler's Blues, where all of these folks were buying these monstrous houses and monstrous boats and fancy cars. And the federal government decided they got to figure out a way to get to those. And they not only did increase the forfeiture provision, but also made it separate crimes for money laundering. That is taking ill-gotten gain and trying to turn it into legitimate proceeds or legitimate property. That's where this all started, but it's pretty broad. And prosecutors were pretty smart and realized that so many of the federal crimes involved money that they 
they started using the money laundering statutes for crimes involving all manner of financial crimes, whether it was fraud, healthcare fraud, you name it, public corruption. But Congress didn't keep up with that. The money laundering statutes had not been modified hardly in decades. At the same time, technology changed. Bad guys got smarter. The banking system got more complicated. And it was just time to kind of bring that up into the 21st century. And that was kind of the impetus behind that. There were so many things going on. And we set out, along with Senator Rounds, Senator Warner, and Senator Cotton, it was the four of us who really got our staffs together and started working on these bills. And we drafted. It took a long time to get these bills drafted. But we finally got a product that we could just shop around. We let all the stakeholders look at it. And it was a challenge. Senator, you mentioned the collaboration between your colleagues and working on getting the language something that was broadly acceptable. Why did the bill wind up in the NDAA? A little bit surprising at first, if you don't know the background. Tell us more about how that happened. It's like so many other things that end up in either a must-pass bill, whether it's the NDAA or an omnibus appropriations type bill. We spent a lot of time working with a lot of different groups. There were pushback from small businesses because they were concerned about the paperwork, which was really not that burdensome, but any paperwork to a small business person seems burdensome. So we get that. We had to talk about a number of issues, you know, beneficial ownership, those kind of issues. Ultimately, there was a bill being worked on in the House that we helped with and tried to collaborate with. But it took a long time to get these groups together to finally come to agreement on some semblance of a single bill. Then we had to get the chairman of the banking committees in both the House and the Senate, and they started looking at it. And the fact of the matter is money laundering can be a national security issue. So it seemed appropriate to try to put this in the must-pass bill. Everyone had finally come to an agreement on it. And so toward the end of the Congress, we needed to pass the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA. That is something that Sissy worked on as my military legislative liaison. So that process all came together to pull it into one bill that was a bipartisan bill, got bipartisan support in the Senate. And it was stuck in there in conference. And the rest is history. Sissy, give a brief update on what you went through with the NDAA. You might not think that this belongs in the NDAA, but it does because money laundering is one of the key ways that we are able to track and prosecute terrorism. And so it is a national security issue, and it did make sense to be included in the bill. Originally, the bill was known as the Illicit Cash Act. It was included in the bill. And here's a little bit, just kind of a brief summary of the kind of things that the bill did and does and it sets now. It sets a national exam and supervision priorities to improve the money laundering outcomes, better target federal resources, establishes federal disclosure requirements of beneficial ownership information that's going to be maintained in a comprehensive federal registry. Strict privacy protections exist, but will be accessible by federal and local law enforcement. That was one of the biggest stumbling blocks, was trying to come up with the beneficial ownership provisions and this national registry that FinCEN is going to keep. It improves the recruitment and retention of talent to combat money laundering and terrorism by providing special hiring authority at the Department of Treasury. It prioritizes innovation and technology and monitoring and reporting through the establishment of a new subcommittee on innovation and technology, its updated guidance on financial technology risk assessments and a financial crimes tech symposium. It facilitates the communication and information sharing between FinCEN, national security agencies, law enforcement and financial institutions through the establishment of new programs and reporting mechanisms. 
It also streamlines a lot of the real-time reporting data. This was really important to banks and financial institutions around the country. And the comprehensive way that this bill does this is by getting everybody to talk to each other. That was one of the issues that we saw in money laundering problems where regulators and banks often are at cross purposes. They were not talking that it was an onerous provision. This is going to streamline all of that, have everyone engaged. This is going to be a whole of government approach to try to make sure that law enforcement and regulators have the ability to seek out bad guys while still maintaining the privacy. I would encourage everybody to take a look at the specific provisions of the bill as we go forward, because they're going to be important for, I think, clients and especially financial institutions to understand. So as Sissy said earlier, FinCEN was required to really be the lead on promoting a lot of these regulations. Everybody's going to get in on the game, but it's FinCEN taking the lead. And in June of this past year, they issued their priorities. Sissy, why don't you talk a little bit about the priorities so that everybody can be aware of those? Sure. The kinds of crimes that they are going to focus on using this Anti-Money Laundering Act, and it's an amendment actually to the Bank Secrecy Act, the certain kinds of crimes that they're going after are corruption, cybercrime, terrorist financing, both foreign and domestic, fraud, including securities and investment fraud and internet-enabled fraud, transnational criminal organization activity, drug trafficking, human trafficking, and weapons proliferation financing. So that's pretty broad. It's going to be applicable to some institutions more than others, depending on where they operate and who their customers and clients are. And so that's why everybody's eagerly looking to see what the regulations say and thinking ahead about how these priorities and these regulations are going to be applicable. We're going to try to figure out a way to put some of this, if you haven't seen it, folks, on the Aaron Fox website so that you can have a link to what FinCEN put out and some of the guidance that they're giving right now so you can see for yourself. So the bottom line for us today is that everybody needs to be looking at this. If you are in the the industry that's going to be affected, you need to start looking at what FinCEN's putting out there. Look at what the Fed's putting out. Watch for DOJ guidance coming out. And if you need to, look back and, at some of the other things that FinCEN and some of these regulators have done in other areas. That will help you. It'll give you a decent guide. And like I say, we're going to be looking at this as we go forward. We're going to follow the FinCEN regs. We're going to be looking at this. We're going to be putting things on the website. We we'll, may come back and do a more comprehensive podcast or alert to let folks know exactly what's going on. I think once we do, this is going to be a really great tool to fight human trafficking, fight drug trafficking, to fight fraud, to fight public corruption, not only in this country, but to some extent around the world, which is a priority of the president. So stay tuned, but be alert. Get your compliance folks to do their own work, to start looking at this. We are always available to help. We got lawyers left and right uh, from New York to D.C. to Boston to California that are there to ready to assist in any questions that you've got. So, Sissy, thanks for joining me today. Well, it's been great to hear from somebody who was right there on the front lines of drafting the bill and working with his fellow members of both the House and the Senate to get this through. And I look forward to talking with you again once we see those regulations.